0: Good morning, New Life. Good morning. So good to see you and be with you. My name is Shauna Rushing, and I'm the pastor of Small Groups and Communities here, and before I get to move into preaching our resurrected Jesus, I want to share one more opportunity that's happening for our parents next Sunday that I am personally really excited about because in the fall, we got to hear from Dr. Chinwe Williams, and she's a therapist and an author who really has beautiful insights about our kids' emotional health, about their mental health, and how we can meet them in that. And so if you're a parent, uh, I would highly encourage you to come next Sunday for this event. Uh, NextGen is partnering up with ParentQ, and it is going to be a really, Really helpful and important time. So I hope to see you there. Last week was Easter. We were celebrating the resurrection, and Rich was preaching about how God is making all things new. But I understand that as the reality of our lives come, uh, as we're in times of change and transition, uh, sometimes that reality is hard for us to see, hard for us to imagine, hard for us to recognize how it really makes a difference in our lives. And so our scripture today, I think, has something to tell us for those of us that are struggling to imagine what resurrection really means in our lives. And we're gonna learn from Mary Magdalene in John 20. Can we read the text together? And it may be familiar for you, but I wanna invite you to not check out, but to enter in and to allow God to open our eyes to see it in a fresh way, amen? Amen. John 20, 11 through 13. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, and the other at the foot they asked her woman why are you crying they have taken away my lord she said and i don't know where they have put him at this she turned around and saw jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was jesus he asked her woman why are you crying who is it you are looking for Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, today I want to talk about change. How many of you enjoy change? Let's start with simple change, like where you choose to to sit every Sunday, or what your order is at your favorite restaurant uh, or coffee shop. Does the barista know your order, uh, or do you like to mix it up? You like to keep things, you know, people guessing. Those are changes that we choose, and they can be fun, you know, to have something a little different. But what about the changes in our life that catch us off guard, that we are not expecting, that completely knock us off our feet. That's the kind of change that Mary was experiencing. And as I've been listening to a number of you this month, I have been hearing so many stories about your challenge in navigating change. Change, some change that you're choosing that you want, and some change that is completely unexpected. Change like graduation, change like job transition, divorce, a breakup, change like losing a loved one, and even those positive changes, like a new baby, but it's utterly turning your life upside down, okay? We experience so much change in our life, and I learned from an author and a TED Talk speaker uh, that change is something that we go through every, like, a big, significant disruption every 12 to 18 months. He did a study. He listened to stories of people all over the country who are going through significant change. And he wasn't just taking a survey and having them answer, but he really wanted to know their story, how they navigated that change, that disruption, and what are the commonalities that we find as people who will experience change and disruption in our life. And not only did he talk about those disruptions, uh, about half of which we choose and half of which we don't, that happened every 12 to 18 months, but he talked about life quaking events, the kind of event that Mary was going through, the kind of event that we all just went through globally in a pandemic, the kind of event that is completely disorienting, and we don't know how to move forward or what to do. And those are something that we can expect three to five times in our lives. So how are we gonna face that? What does it look like? How can we even get through that in a healthy way? What does resurrection have to say to us, have to tell us about navigating those changes, those challenges? The sermon is for you, if you're going through those changes, if you're going through transition, or if you're still reeling from a life quaking event. And it's for me, too. Our family recently went through a big transition. Some of you know we moved here from Ohio uh, in the summer. And we all, you know, there's six of us, we all handled it in different ways. And it's something that we wanted. It's something we love. It's something we're so grateful for. But that doesn't mean it's not stretching. That doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it's not a disruptor in our life. And it's important for us to acknowledge that. And so today, I wanna talk to us about how God wants to help us reimagine possibilities in those places where change has knocked us off our feet and we don't know how to move forward. Are you with me? Is that relevant today? I know it's relevant to me today. So as I shared, Mary is going through a significant change. This is a disruption of what she imagined her life to be and what the disciples did not expect. And we're talking about the most life-altering, earth-shattering, ground-shaking, history-defining. Nothing will ever be the same moment in history, right? Our whole calendars are oriented around the death and resurrection of Jesus, what happened before Christ and what comes after, right? This is so significant, but think about what it was like for them in the moment. They have no idea what this means. They just know that the person that they've been walking with, that they love, that they've been traveling with, has been brutally executed and died. That's what they know to be true. Right? So, How did they handle this? How did the disciples handle this event? Not very well for the most part, right? We know that many hid and ran, that they denied Jesus. And do we blame them for what they were going through? But I want you to know that there were actually some standouts in this time who stayed close to Jesus. And do you know who they were? They were women. They were women the women who were following jesus stayed close to him in his time of suffering and there's a beautiful poem that kj ramsey an author and therapist wrote that i want to read to us it's called son of god and son of woman women were the ones who were faithful to follow you beyond your final breath bless the brave ones who follow you whom others forget and fail to honor, because like these women, those who are faithful to witness death become the first to witness resurrection. Amen, amen, amen. So today I want us to focus on one of those women, the one that we just read about, Mary Magdalene. She is called the Apostle of Hope, and I believe she has something to teach us today about what it looks like to navigate change, what it looks like to face life-changing, life-shattering moments. But before we really dig in more to her story, I want to set the record straight about Mary because there's a lot of confusion about who she is and what her story is. After all, there are six Marys that we hear about in the New Testament, okay? And uh, it's the most popular name uh, of the time, and so sometimes we even go, okay, which Mary is this? I think we're pretty clear on the Mary, the mother of Jesus, but there's also Mary of Bethany, who was the sister of Lazarus, and Martha, and their stories can get confused, and Mary's story even gets confused with other women who are unnamed in scripture. In fact, a lot of our books and our movies portray her as a prostitute, and that's just simply not her story. That's not what the scripture said. Jesus loved prostitutes and he came near to them and met them where they were, but, but Mary's story is that she was oppressed by seven demons. She was a deeply tormented woman and jesus met her in that place in the place of utter devastation of completely losing herself she met jesus and he healed her and she he showed her what it meant to live so beautiful so amazing and you know what her response was to jesus and to his healing. Her response was, all I wanna do is give my whole life to following you, to being with you, to walking with you you wherever you go. And so we may often think about the disciples following Jesus, but we know from scripture that there was also a group of women, disciples and followers who were with Jesus. In fact, they were supporting his ministry financially, and Mary Magdalene was one of those women. And so what I want us to see about her is not just her past, but who she is now, her presence to Jesus, what she should really be known for. And also, as we come to this text where she's standing next to the garden tomb weeping, we need to know what she's been through. What Jesus means to her, what it must have been like for her to see the person, her beloved, the person she's given her life to, to be brutally murdered and to know how can I even go forward in life in light of this. This is where we find her, next to the garden tomb. Can you imagine what that must have been like for her? Can you relate to being in a place like that, utterly devastated and disoriented. Like I said, she has something to teach us today. And I wanna show you a few pictures that might help us to imagine with fresh eyes what it might have been like for Mary to be there in that place of grief and desolation. So if you'll pull this first one up, we can just see her agony on her face. She is utterly crushed, not knowing that Jesus had resurrected, still believing that he's dead, and not even recognizing him when she saw him at first. She, her grief was blinding her to the fact that he was right there with her, and when she hears him call her name, you know when someone you love calls your name and what that means, when, he, when she hears him call her name, Mary, she knows it's Jesus. And we can go to the next picture and what she must have done, how she must have felt, how things must have shifted, the hope, the light that flooded into that place of deep pain and darkness for her to embrace her teacher, her Lord, her beloved. I love this story. It, I never get tired of it, it doesn't get old. But something I wanna land in, and I want you to see that we don't always pick up on, is that when she didn't recognize him, the text said she mistook him for the gardener. So let's look at this next picture by a Dutch artist. And it's portraying Jesus as the gardener. And we know that Jesus is a Middle Eastern brown skinned man. He he doesn't look like a Dutch person. But we often uh, portray Jesus to look like we do. And what I like about this painting uh, is that it is Honing in on this picture of Jesus as the gardener. Friends, it was not a mistake that it is in the text that Jesus mistook Jesus for the gardener. Do you know that at the beginning of the book of John, it starts with the creator of the universe. In the beginning was the word. In him was life and light, and the darkness could not overcome it. It took us back. Jesus is the creator. He was from the beginning. And we know from this text, he was buried in a garden tomb and and then Mary mistakes him for the gardener. This is not a mistake, friends. We're meant to see him as the gardener who comes into our deepest places of pain, of desolation, of dryness. There is no life here and brings something flourishing and beautiful. This is how we're meant to see Jesus This meaning, not as a white skinned man, but we're meant to see him as the gardener, as the gardener. And I also love Jesus's, I love Mary's posture. She's coming as a bride. This is the one her heart loves, the one she's given her whole life for. I love it. It's so beautiful. And so I feel like today, that there are a few things that Mary needs to teach us about what it means to walk through devastation and death, and to be able to meet the gardener and allow him to give us fresh eyes to see what he's doing in our midst, what he's doing in among all of the devastation with us. And the first lesson I want us to learn from her, and it's Uh, maybe feels obvious, but the truth is that we often do the exact opposite thing. The first is to remain close to Jesus. When we are struggling, we need to remain close to Jesus. But what did the other disciples do? Remember, we talked about it. Most of them fled. Most of them were hiding and fearing for their lives. They were denying. They were doubting. But Mary had this beautiful devotion. No matter the risk, no matter the cost, I am going to cling to Jesus because I know he's where the source of life and love is. But I wanna say to you, those of you, myself included, who have struggled to remain close to Jesus in difficult times, Jesus went after his other disciples. He didn't just appear to Mary, the one who was able to remain faithful through this. He went after the ones who were doubting. He appeared to them. He said, put your hands in my wounds. I want to show you that I am the resurrected Lord, that I am the one that can bring life and hope into this situation. So I just want any thoughts of shame or ways that you have disqualified yourself um, from Jesus meeting you in the midst of your hard time to be gone because whether you stay faithful or not, He's coming for you, okay? He's coming for you. He wants you to experience Him and know His love, know His compassionate care. The second thing that we need to learn from Mary is that she recognized and she grieved her loss okay I want you to think about Mary's experience and we already have been seeing Jesus heal not only herself but countless people the way he met individuals and the way he taught the crowds the healing that he brought to person after person the way he was transforming their lives and can you imagine being with someone like that and the human response is to want to crucify him humanity looked at perfect love healing and life, and found it threatening and wanted to stamp it out. And they killed Jesus on the cross. Can you begin to just think of what that must have been like to witness and to behold? She is grieving for good reason. She is weeping Not only is the person that means so much to her personally gone, but the person who is changing the world and she's seen it before her very eyes. What is happening? She understood that in times of change and crisis, we have to grieve. And I want you all to know that it's not just times of death when when we lose a loved one that we need to grieve every loss that we experience even the loss that we had when we moved it was a good thing but there was loss involved i needed to grieve relationships that i left so every loss every change that we go to go through we need to allow ourselves to feel those emotions to grieve those losses particularly in times where we're encountering a life shaking event. Now, Jesus says something really interesting to her in this interaction, and it brings up some questions. I don't know if you noticed this, but he says, do not hold on to me. Like, don't touch. Is he saying, like, don't touch me or get away from me? That feels really weird. Why would Jesus say something like that? Anybody have that question as we were reading the text? So, Actually that Greek verb of cling to or hold on to it means to fasten or adhere to and it has a continuous tense meaning she is holding on to Jesus and you better believe she's not letting go okay <laughs> we know she's she's remained close and she is going to do whatever it takes to stay with him and so Jesus is having to gently remind her that something new is happening that their relationship is going to be forever changed and it's going to look different than she imagined. I imagine in that moment she's thinking, great, things are gonna go back just the way they were before. And that's not true. Because Jesus is going to the Father. He's wanting to give the opportunity for everyone to experience his Holy Spirit and life with him day to day. And in order to do that, he can't stay. And so, Mary has a little more grieving to do after this because she is going to have to be able to open herself up to seeing a new reality of what it means to walk with Jesus, her beloved. And so we can get stuck in our grief and in clinging to the past. Anybody? Relate? Okay. But there's something amazing that happens in the process of lament and naming our emotions and letting Jesus meet us there. It begins to make this crack, this place where hope and new possibility can come in. it creates space that wasn't there before for us to see a new thing that God is doing. Amen? Amen. And that leads me to the last lesson I want us to learn from Mary, and that is to reimagine in light of the resurrection. How is Jesus wanting to meet us in the midst of what we're going through and to give us renewed eyes to see what he's doing, especially in the times when we are so depressed, so down, so devastated that we can't see anything but our own pain. And i want to share a story about a time where i experienced that and i want to tell you about a person who means the world to me and her friendship taught me so much in my life her name is carol and she and i went to college together and then we actually uh, worked in ministry together this is a picture of us A a group of her closest friends, we surprised her in Galveston for her 40th birthday and had the best, most joyful time. And you can just see it on our faces uh, how meaningful and wonderful it was for us to be together. And Carol and I went through a lot of change together. I was there when she got married. She was there when I had my first child. I was there when her and her husband adopted uh, their daughter, and we you know, threw each other baby showers, and we celebrated each other's birthdays, and we told each other our hardest challenges in life and things that we were struggling with. And we also navigated a number of moves. She and her husband and daughter were moving, our family was moving, and she really taught me what it meant to be a good friend, a long distance friend. Like she was not gonna let me go. We moved away, and it's like, we are still talking. We're still texting all the time. We're taking trips to see each other. This is happening. And, and she taught me something I needed to know, because we would continue to move, and I still need to know what it means to hold on to friends and have that kind of friendship. But her family, Carol, and our close group of friends, we had a life-shaking event when she was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. And there was a lot of hope and a lot of prayer. We had weekly prayer calls as she was going through her treatment. Sometimes we would pray for her and she didn't have the energy to get on the call. And sometimes she would join us when she could. And we took turns visiting her as she was going through treatment. And we had so much hope and we prayed so fervently for a miracle that we would continue Uh, to see her flourish and live in health and that she could be with her husband and daughter. And I want you to know that what I imagine and what we imagine together, our daughters growing up together and us growing old together, is not what happened. Because Carol passed away and went to be with Jesus in September of 2018. And I was utterly devastated. Of course, her family was utterly devastated. Her close friends, she had so many friends. She had this way of just everyone feeling like Carol is my best friend. That's the kind of person uh, that she was. And so in this, I'm finding myself asking, where, what does the resurrection mean in light of my best friend passing away? Where are you, God, in the middle of this? But I want you to know, honestly, he was there with us. And some of the most sacred moments in my life, treasured times, are times that I was with her uh, as she was expressing her pain and we were holding that together. He was present and he was caring for her. And there was something remarkable that was happening in her And we were in different places. So, you know, in the last year of her life, I think I went to see her around four times. And each time that I would go, she, you could see the cancer taking its toll. Outwardly, her body was changing. And the remarkable part was when I talked with her and when I was with her, I just kept seeing life growing. In her. It's like life coming out of her in a way that Paul describes, right? Out, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Carol was staying close to Jesus and nothing but life could come out of her, even in the midst of a devastating disease that took her life. But friends, cancer, death, did not have the final word or say in Carol's life. Jesus' resurrection does. And her miracle and her healing came on the other side of death. It wasn't in the way that I imagined or hoped. But she is fully restored, and I cling to that. And I had to, and I continue to have a process of grieving that loss and holding to Jesus and looking for ways that he's bringing hope. And I do have hope. And I do see ways that God continues to meet her daughter and her husband and those of us that were close to her uh, and has taught us and continues to bring to mind the life and the beauty that Carol brought us in this life. And I treasure our friendship. It's one of my greatest gifts. In life and so today friends I don't want to just come with stories where everything turns out just like we want it to or just like we imagine because that's not the reality of life but the reality is that we have a hope in resurrection and that all the things all the disappointments all of the despair everything that we encounter does not have the final word that the new creation and life that the new gardener is bringing among us is what is happening. And that's the truth and the reality, even when we aren't able to see it. Uh, I was going back through my Instagram posts and there was a post I made on Carol's birthday a few months after she died. And this is what I said. Last year, the girls and I, I'm talking about my daughters, had the privilege of being with Carol and her daughter on her birthday. I gave her a journal with the quote, Nothing can dim the light which shines from within, by Maya Angelou on it. Wow, how true that is of her, because cancer and even death could not diminish the God-given light that radiates from her. Her legacy continues to shine even as we grieve and feel the expansive gulf of her absence. Friends, I still believe in miracles. I still believe that Jesus heals. And I still pray for that. Sometimes it happens on this side of death. And sometimes it happens on the other day on the other side of death. And only resurrection can come in dying. And I know that is a hard reality, one that Jesus modeled for us. It's a hard road, it's a beautiful road, it's a worthy road that we walk with him. And through this experience with Carol, I learned the sacred gift of staying close to Jesus. I learned the importance of naming and grieving my loss, in the safety and security of counselors, caregivers of Jesus. It helped me to open and have more clarity and vision to see that Jesus is still bringing new life, that there are still beautiful futures ahead for Carol's family and for us and there's a writer Henry Nallon, he's also a theologian and he says this in a really beautiful way that I want you to hear especially those of you that have gone through significant loss he's writing to his dad uh, after they had lost his mother so he's writing to a man who has just lost the love of his life And he's wanting to talk to him about what does the resurrection have to say to us, have to say to you, Dad, when you've lost the person you've been married to for decades. Let's listen to what he says. He says, I wonder how the story, the most important story of human history, speaks to you now that you know so well what it means to have lost the ones you love most. Have you noticed that none of the friends of Jesus, neither the women nor the disciples, had the faintest expectation of his return from death? His crucifixion had crushed all their hopes and expectations, and they felt totally lost and dejected. Even when Jesus appeared to them, they kept hesitating and doubting and needing to be convinced, not only Thomas but the others as well. The event of Jesus' resurrection totally and absolutely surpassed their understanding. It went beyond their own ways of thinking and feeling. It broke through the limits of their minds and hearts. And yet they were able to come to believe in the resurrected Jesus and their faith changed the world. Isn't this good news? Doesn't this turn everything around and offer us a basis in which we can hope. Henry Nowen said, doesn't this put mother's death in a completely new perspective? It does not make her death less painful or our grief less heavy. It does not make the loss of her less real. But it makes us see and feel that death is part of a much greater and a much deeper event the fullness of which we cannot comprehend, but of which we know is a life-bringing event. The friends of Jesus saw him and heard him only a few times after his resurrection. But their lives were completely changed and transformed. What seemed to be the end proved to be the beginning. What seemed to be a cause for fear proved to be a cause for courage. What seemed to be a defeat proved to be a victory. And what seemed to be the basis of despair moved to be the basis of hope. Friends, Mary's story did not end in her witnessing the brutal execution of her Savior. Her story ends by her encountering her risen Lord with him calling her by name and showing her that he's the gardener of the new creation, that he's making all things new, that nothing is wasted that no matter what you are going through, Jesus wants you to reimagine and to be able to see new life and possibilities. Amen. And so, yeah, amen, amen. Amen. As we begin to wrap up our time, I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions that Jesus asked Mary at the tomb. I think they're relevant to us as we begin to ask Jesus where he is, what he's doing in the changes and difficulties that we're facing. Do you remember the two questions that he asked her? First, and the angels asked this as well, they said, why are you crying? Why are you hurting? What inside of you? is in a place of despair. So I want us to sit with that for a minute, a minute and name that to Jesus. And the second question he asked is, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And I want us to think about that question in a couple ways. One is that when we are in times of crisis and under a lot of pressure, we can be looking to everything but Jesus to try and bring us stability, steadiness maybe, or just numb the pain, turn it off. I don't wanna feel it, I don't wanna face it, right? Um, but as we shared, as we learned, Mary models us to come close to Jesus. And maybe it's that we are in such a dark place that we can't see Jesus. And so when he asks, who are you looking for? Maybe it's that we need to have eyes to see that he's actually there and we haven't been able to recognize him. Just like Mary wasn't able to immediately recognize him because she was blinded in her grief. So can we sit for a moment and ask these questions and invite Jesus to help us to reimagine in light of his resurrected life? Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you'd like to imagine yourself sitting there like Mary was outside of the garden tomb. Or just right here where you are. And I want you to hear Jesus's question to you. Asking you, why are you crying? What inside of you is hurting and can you, Take a moment and name that in the quietness of your heart to Jesus. May you sense him being present and compassionate to you as you name the deepest cries of your heart. Then I want you to hear him asking, who are you looking for? Are you looking to other people or places to meet you in this place? Are you simply unable to see that he's right there with you? Jesus, I pray that you would give us a fresh revelation of your presence, of who you are, that you're coming to us in love and compassion, that you wanna meet us in our deepest grief. And as we do that, you want to begin to make space for us to reimagine and see that there is hope and possibility in where we are. And friends, I'm going to just go out on a limb and you can do this or not do this, but would you put your hands on your eyes? Jesus, we ask you to give us eyes to see your resurrection, that death, that disease, that disaster, that doubt. They don't have the final word that nothing can separate us from your love. Would you help us to reimagine and see that you are with us and that you are meeting us right where we are? Give us your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to see you. Amen. Amen. God, our good gardener, friends, our good gardener is at work making all things new. May he give us eyes to see it today. Amen.
1: Please stand and worship with us.
2: I searched the world, but it couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise and treasures of hate. I never. That's why we say, you turn mourning to dancing. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who. Let's sing that again. You turn mourning. You turn. there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing. Come on, sing it out. Better than you, there's nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing. No one. Nothing is better than you. With a grateful heart we say, oh, there's nothing. Better than you, there's nothing. A
1: hand. You know, friends, these are these are messages where it calls out the best of us, right? Calls us to really just examine who we are in Christ and uh, how deeply we are we are allowing Him to transform our lives. There's an old pastor saying: "It's either you're in trouble." you're coming out of trouble or you're headed for trouble. And that, remi- <laughs> that reminded me of that. It sounds a little harsh, but you know, the reality is it's true, isn't it? Even the data points that out. So I mean, for those of you, some of you are in trouble right now. Like you right now, you are under water. You feel as though you are barely getting enough oxygen to survive. And that if one more thing happens, you are certain, you're going under and so this message to you is that is not god's plan for you i'm going to ask the prayer team to come to my right up here if that is you right now come up and have someone pray for you have them help you to reconnect with jesus to mourn whatever it is that has brought you to this place and really it inspire that hope in you so you can reimagine what resurrection can look like. Because sometimes we can't see it for ourselves. We need someone to speak life into us. And if you've come out of trouble and you're now feeling like you're on solid ground, well, the message, of the, the message to you is what did you learn? And how can you help someone who is going through trouble now? What words of inspiration? How do you speak hope into your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, your family member? How can you take what looked like was death in your life and show someone else that there is still hope and there is resurrection no matter what you go through? And the last group, if you know right now, Nothing's happening, there's no challenges, there's no trouble. In the next, what, year to 18 months, you know, probably something will arise in your life. It doesn't have to be traumatic, we don't know the scale, but you will have a challenge in your life. And so, how can you now anchor yourself in your relationship with Christ? How can you prepare yourself to stay close to Him? What do you need to do? Do you need to get closer to community. Maybe you need to be in a small group where you're being nurtured in the word, where you're hearing good words from each other, where you're learning scripture, you're going deeper in prayer. Maybe you need to anchor yourself in some centering prayer. Some things that are going to prepare you so when the storm hits, you're going to be able to reflexively do the things that you don't really want to do, which is stay close to your God. So I want to encourage you again. Come up for prayer. Allow someone to pray for you here. Um, It's a real step where we can encourage each other. This is not an easy life that we all live. We are aware of that. But our God, as Pastor Shauna, was reminding us he is alive. He is resurrecting every single day. It's not an Easter Sunday thing only. Every day. Every day is Resurrection Sunday. How exciting is that? Every day is Resurrection Sunday. Every day he can take what no one thought would ever be transformed and he can bring beauty. And you know this because you've experienced it. So I want to also encourage those of you that are online. There's a sermon discussion after this service. And you get together and just talk to some other folks that are watching with you and share some of the things. Perhaps there's something that you can encourage someone in that space with. And if you're here in this room right now, and all of this just seems so way out, it's like science fiction, you have no idea what we're talking about, you don't know anything about this Jesus, we want to encourage you to reach out. There's a bitly link right here on the screen and you can be you will be taken to a page where you can fill out a form there that will help you to connect with one of our pastors and talk to you about this Jesus that we're discussing. And if you do know Jesus but you've never been baptized, what a glorious message for you to now say, "I want to display To friends and family, I want to show the resurrection life of Jesus in my life by being baptized. You can also do that through the shortcut link there. So I'm going to pray for us all. Please open up your hands. And um, this is a sign of our surrender. This is a sign of our admitting to God that we can't do any of this. But we know he can. And so we surrender his goodness in our lives so brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God may the Lord God bless you may his face shine upon you may you see the resurrecting light in his face as he beams his hope of glory and resurrection into your very soul may you know that you are loved beyond measure never left and never forsaken it's in Jesus name that we pray Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.